0: What's up, you guys? Welcome back to Free Country. It's the second episode ever, and I'm excited to be back with y'all. The first episode you guys really seemed to like. So that was encouraging. It was encouraging to see that so many people enjoy this format. I thought they might. I enjoyed making it, and uh it just seems like this works really well. I can be a little more freewheeling, I can relax a little bit. And yeah. I'm very excited about having a podcast. I actually spent a good portion of this week trying to find a space in downtown Charlottesville where I could lease a little office and kind of deck it out, and I'm going to be recording the podcast over there, I think. It's a little... Look, it's a, it's a fixer-upper. I've rented about 150 square feet. There's no windows, and... I'm going to turn that into my little podcast studio, and I figure there's so many concerts and stuff downtown, maybe I could have guests come in, and I'm just trying to dream a little bit. Uh, There's going to be a video up on the channel eventually about what I'm kind of outfitting the studio with, and yeah, I think this podcast is going to be a really, really cool thing. Still waiting for it to be on Apple Podcasts, but hopefully that confirmation comes through soon, and I'm just really excited about everything that it could offer. I'm... Uh, I've launched a Patreon, and you can actually subscribe over at Patreon. If you support at the $3 or more level per month, you're going to get one exclusive bonus episode of this podcast, and that's just going to be something fun, kind of something random if I decide to countdown, or just kind of look at like the top 20 on country radio, or if I want to kind of go through my archives of when I was at Entertainment Weekly, and talk about some of the stars that I interviewed over there. I'm just going to put some extra bonus content in the bonus episode that patrons get every month. So let's just talk about this week in country music. I think the big news coming out of country music this week was probably just CMA Fest. The fact that CMA Fest was happening. This is a big gathering. It's kind of a fan event that is also sort of a promotional event it's kind of the comic-con of country music and it happens down in nashville and there's just shows everywhere everywhere in downtown nashville someone is playing a show someone is launching a new single someone's there's a rotating cast of characters like a music festival i mean it is a festival that is going uh, up in nissan stadium and so eric church will play a huge show luke combs will play a huge show but then you'll also have uh I don't know, the Pistol Annie's play a little bit and and acts that aren't quite at that gigantic level. And so some people debut new music there. Some people just sort of shore up their fan base, but CMA Fest has been going on and it's looked like a pretty freaking dreary one just from social media. I'm glad I was in Nashville when it was sunny because it has looked like a rainy kind of cold dreary mess all this week, but that it hasn't stopped the performances. There's a few kind of key things that I've seen come out of CMA Fest. Uh, The first was that Miranda Lambert debuted a new song, and it is a fiery, rollicking, kind of feisty Miranda song. So she's back. We got Kerosene Miranda back, and the song's called Locomotive. And I'll play a little bit of it right here. The song starts off with Miranda Lambert saying, "Girl, I'm like a locomotive and I don't run out of steam." And I feel like this is a really clear rebrand from the sound of it to the sass of it, much like Taylor Swift went from snake woman to butterfly girl. I think Miranda is going from this kind of Americana singer-songwriter, reflective person in the in the wake of her divorce from Blake Shelton to the kind of wisecracking, sassy harsh abrasive rocker chick that she's been before and now she's married to this new guy she's living up in new york city and she says this album captures a lot of that vibe and i, I really like the chorus of this song I, I listen to it and if i'm hearing the chorus right this is one of my favorite turns of phrase of any song in a long time <laughs> Because I'm sweet tea sipping on my front porch sitting while my hubby fries chicken, and I'm picking these strings. And there's a few other lines, and then she says, Oh, he gives me wings. He gives me wings. So it's clear she's feeling herself and feeling her love, but what I really feel like needs to be focused on <laughs> is the idea that there's a play on words here of he gives me wings. Because lest we forget, while she's on the front porch writing a song, he's frying chicken. So... I like the image of uh, this man giving her chicken wings, and that being the main hook of this song, Locomotive, and I really hope that that is actually the lyric, and I'm not just mishearing it. Some people said on the screen, it said, he gives me ways, not he gives me wings, but you know, the official recording isn't yet, Miranda. You can always change it to, he gives me wings, because, you know, we need that chicken pun. We need a little bit of that chicken pun action. Other stuff that happened at CMA Fest was Lil Nas X performing with Keith Urban and Billy Ray Cyrus, and he came out and sang Old Town Road. And Keith Urban continued to to sort of virtue signal to everyone how uh, much he embraces all music and that Lil Nas X's shirt said, love everyone. And uh, this whole story, I feel frustrated by it because I made a video about how uh, Old Town Road, I didn't think should be on the country chart before it was ever a controversy. And then this whole faux controversy came along. And it's become the hardest thing to talk about in country music. I think Old Town Road is a totally fun song. I like that it's a big hit. I like that it's weird and that it's country trap. At the same time, it was pretty explicit from the get-go with this song. And I follow industry news and I read things like Billboard and I get that not everybody does. But, I mean, his his manager said in Rolling Stone that he knew he could manipulate the charts and he called it a hip-hop song. And so I just feel like this idea that Old Town Road was kicked off the country charts and we're supposed to feel bad about it and we're supposed to let people imply that we're racist if we think that a hip-hop song shouldn't be on the country chart. It's frustrating when you're like, "Uh, no, you guys are the ones that said it was a hip-hop song, but now we're supposed to be uh, congratulating you for jacking the system. That is only the opinion that someone that just kind of hates institutions in general would have. And so I just get so frustrated at the whole issue. And I've had to just kind of throw up my hands and say, look, if you can't beat him, join him a little bit or just sort of stay quiet. Maybe that's what I'm doing, just staying quiet. But he came out and sang Old Town Road and just sort of, I don't know what, I don't know what kind of flex that is on country music or Um, if I'm just being obstinate and resistant to change, but to me, they wanted to have their cake and eat it too. They wanted to game the system. They wanted to be a hip hop song that was masquerading as a country song. And they said very upfront that that's what they were doing, but then they also wanted it to be sincerely thought of as a country song. And so, man, I just think they played this controversy so perfectly and more power to Lil Nas X, uh, getting Billy Ray Cyrus on his track and Uh, everything about it, it's been like a meme come to life and old town roads. Now a big fun song. It's been the number one song in America for weeks and weeks and weeks. Clearly this kind of country influenced trap music has some appeal. You know, that's very obvious, but uh, I guess just, it gets frustrating when people like Keith Urban, I think are kind of implying that they're better than you and they get music more than you because you know, he embraced Old Town Road because I actually don't think even the, the quality of the song, even the genre was really what people like me were frustrated about. It was the thoughtlessness with which it was all talked about. It was the fact that no one was even saying that they were upfront about the fact that they didn't think it was a country song. And now we're being told that it is. And then you have these like fake executives like Shane Morris that are saying, oh, country music has this like long racist history, and there was just so much um, hearsay around the whole conversation. And I think a lot of us were frustrated by Old Town Road because of the thoughtlessness with which people were having the discussion. You know, I'm not even that much of a country purist, but I do think words have to mean things. And if this doesn't sound anything like this over here, well, shouldn't that matter at least a little bit? If we're gonna be talking about it, so anyway, that was the whole Il Nas X situation, and and I'm not trying to be a fun sucker. It's just I think I'm still I'm still I'm so sensitive, I'm still so wounded by everyone attacking me and saying I was like a racist asshole for not thinking Old Town Road was a country song. But I'm mostly over it. I'm getting a thicker skin in this whole internet game. Uh, Final piece of news I wanted to talk about at a CMA Fest was that Garth Brooks and Blake Shelton announced a new song called Dive Bar. Yeah, the song isn't out yet, but in true Garth fashion, you know, it's going to be some exclusive that's going to be recorded for TV and then you can probably only stream it through Amazon if you get like some special upgraded Garth membership and that'll tie you in with his exclusive ghost ghost tunes commemorative tote bag that is also only going to be sold retail-wise exclusively in Walmart's. I mean, Garth loves an exclusive. I think a lot of people are motivated purely by respect. And I think Garth is motivated purely by money, and so he doesn't really mind if it's, his stuff is hard to access. So who knows if we'll ever hear Dive Bar, if you'll have to open 75 trap doors to actually get to hear it. But this is an interesting move. I mean, Blake Shelton is killing it right now. He has God's Country, which has got to be the hit of country music at the moment. It's just absolutely massive. And so now he's teaming up with Garth, and it's just going to be some summer anthem from Garth's hilariously named album, Fun! which just reminds me of Jeb. There's something like very daddish about the the one-word title, just fun. But that's kind of Garth's thing, and I look forward to hearing it. So that was news that came out of CMA Fest, and it doesn't seem like I'm missing too much by not being there. Now, the other big news of the week was Zach Brown at the CMT Awards. So the Zach Brown Band won this award for... Uh, group video of the year for someone I used to know, which I think is a kind of weird video. It starts with this like sex scene and that song is very EDM influenced and it's just not that good. It's a hook that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but they won this award for the video and Zach Brown gave this very odd speech at the CMT awards, which is not even a big awards show. It's like a million people view this and it's, it's just not that serious. You know, it's kind of just like the night before CMA Fest and a uh, candy-coated party on CMT. But he said, Thank you, CMT, to all of our champions and all our fans. Thanks to Sean Mendez. We're so grateful that we get our award every night when we get to show up and do what we love. No one's ever owned enough of our career to give us their trophies and accolades, but that's not how we measure our success. This award is for all of you, my band, Outsiders Who Waited Through Everyone's Doubts, for you young artists, have the courage to stand up against the machine. Be yourself, work hard, and one day you can stand up here and tell all the haters to fuck off. And so, I mean, just hearing the F word at a country awards show is pretty rare. There's not much danger in country music at the moment. So I don't mind that he did this, but it caused a big stir online and people were like, Oh, what is Zach Brown mad about? Who are the haters that he's telling to fuck off? Is this a statement at the people that haven't really enjoyed his pop vacillations that have been almost random for the last few years, him deciding whether or not he's super country or super pop? Or is this just a general kind of flex of, you know, believe in yourself, fuck the haters. <laughs> I, I don't know which one it exactly is, but Zach Brown got up there and it caused a lot of conversation. Some people thought it was just a move for attention. Some people thought he was kind of on the defensive and his tone definitely seemed a little bit on the defensive. Zach Brown's interesting because... Sometimes the industry, during their come-up, didn't really pay any attention to them, and they've kind of made a lane for themselves with their sort of uh, jam-bandy, country, festival vibe music, and that's worked for them. But then Zach Brown, about six, seven years ago, became very outspoken. He said, Luke Bryan's That's My Kind of Night was the worst song he'd ever heard. And so that caused a little mini feud, and Jason Aldean got involved, and there was some drama, and they ended up, you know, a few months later, hugging it out on the uh, CMT, no, the CMA Awards, while Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood sang, Why Can't We Be Friends? Luke Bryan and Zach Brown, nobody cares. You both After that, it was interesting because he'd he'd then spoken out against the kind of popification of country music. But then he started this side act called Sir Roosevelt that was making really poppy music. And he signed a deal with John Varvatos and got kind of more into fashion. Then, after that, Zach Brown kind of went back and made this album called Roots with songs like Welcome Home. And it was songs about going back to your roots. And it was real country inspired. And then he turned around and made Someone I Used to Know, and is getting in this kind of Avicii-ish sound. Right so, it's kind of confusing as a fan, and I love Zach Brown, and I think some of the stuff they did with Dave Grohl, and some of the stuff they did on Uncaged, those, just, those albums are incredible, but... It is confusing because it feels like he goes back and forth all the time about whether or not uh, he resents pop music or whether or not he wants to make it. And to me, it's too inconsistent of a public interfacing message to make statements like you got to tell the haters to fuck off because you're kind of driving a lot of the drama. And I think, you know, I like when artists are a little crazy and a little unhinged. It might be that in Zach's mind, he is moving really, really quickly through... Or, or moving really deliberately, I guess, from now I'm making pop music, now I'm making country music, but to the outside world, especially if you're only hearing about him you know, once a year, if there's some drama about him and Luke Bryan, or then he's making an album called Jacqueline Hyde, or then he's with John Varvatos, and then he's back to his roots, it, it doesn't read as consistent. And so I think the narrative is getting a little muddled around Zach Brown. And I don't think this was a real outlaw moment as much as it just seemed kind of, confusing and bitter but i want the best for them i would love zach brown band to make the kind of for the sake of his band if nothing else to make music that's musically rich and instrumental but at the same time you do you boo go where you want make what you want but uh, i don't think you have that many haters but whatever i like some independence in someone uh other thing i want to talk about for sure this week for sure Is Luke Combs' new EP, the prequel? This thing is freaking awesome. I love this EP. It's five songs, and all five of them are smashes. I could see literally any of these songs getting put out to radio and becoming a giant number one hit. Just cause I'm leaving, it don't mean it, I won't be right by your side. Yeah, Beer Never Broke My Heart is the first one off of this, and and we all know that that is a really fun song, but there's just uh, smash after smash here. I think that this is way better. I mean, it's just five songs, but I think it's way better than Loop Combs' debut record. I think they've really pulled back on some of the voice modulation and some of the overly programmed kind of electronic drum loops, and it really has served the sound well. There's so many instruments on this that sound great, whether you're getting... Uh, Some mandolin on even though I'm leaving or whether you're getting uh, bits of fiddle and even piano, kind of jangly piano on something like Lovin' on You, which reminds me so much of a Brooks and Dunn song. This is just a fun and full EP to listen to. Now, of the songs on here, I think Even Though I'm Leaving is what is going to be the smash. This is a song that kind of has a father and son reflecting on their relationship and it starts almost like Eric Church's Monsters, with the kid's scared in his bed, and the kid is uh, just saying, like, Dad, I want you to stay there, because I'm scared. And the dad's like, even though I'm leaving, I'm still here with you. In the second chorus, we kind of have an evolution of that chorus, or of the same meaning, where the kid is going off to war, and he's like, even though I'm leaving, I'll still be with you, Dad. And then we get that awesome thing that happens only in country music, where the chorus evolves to a third meaning, and this is when the, the, you can see where it's going here. <laughs> They're both a little bit older, and the dad is getting old. Uh, but even though he's leaving, he's going to be there with his son. It's a real tearjerker. It's not autobiographical. It's one of three songs on this record that's co-written with Ray Fulcher, who's a guy that I now have my eye on because I really like his writing style. Uh, there's another song on here called uh, Lovin' On You that is a ton of fun. A ton of fun. I like a strong shadow whiskey way. final chorus where all the music drops out and it's just Luke kind of singing. It absolutely feels like a Brooks and Dunn song and it's so much fun, guys. I I just think this is pound for pound an excellent release. I've heard that Luke Combs wants to kind of put out a few different EPs and maybe together they would make up one album, but I don't know. If all EPs were this good and kind of sonically cohesive, but also you're getting slow moments, you're getting sad moments, you're getting uh, kind of celebratory, sexy moments... It's hard for me to complain. This guy is at the top of his game. He is the new country superstar. And it's not even like I think his lyrics are so incisive. I don't think he's Laurie McKenna over here. I don't think uh, he's making some kind of opus that is reflective and beautiful like Miranda Lambert on the way to these wings. But I also don't think that he is big because he's just trying to break the system the way maybe something like Sam Hunt's Montevallo did. What I like about Luke Combs is that he just is this straight down the middle appealing country star. I think so many people overthink what needs to be done in country music where it's like, you know, how can you bring tradition and make it fresh? But how can you take the sounds that people used to like and package them into something that's interesting to the modern consumer? And what I like about Luke Brown or Luke Brown, uh, Luke Combs, is that he just does it. He just does that. So that's the answer to the question. How do you make that happen? You just make it happen. You just literally take those instruments, go in a studio with a modern producer, and you end up with this great sound. And I feel like he just shows in a really simple way, oh yeah, there's this middle road that we could be taking. We don't have to be so polarized in the you know, Brett Young pop country debate or the it, it, everything's got to sound like Sturgill on High Top Mountain. There is a middle road here, and he is that middle road. And I think that's why people like him so much. I've definitely seen a kind of interesting. This is very inside baseball for people that probably don't watch baseball, inside critic land. But I've definitely seen in the music community some feeling of like, what am I missing with Luke Combs? And I would say that it's not that you're missing anything. I think he is like, you know, definitely a mainstream star. There is a somewhat generic sound to what he does. But he does it with great quality. And I think that this kind of meeting people where they're at and making sounds that they're familiar with but still have a connection to the traditions of country music, that's all we really want. And that makes the most people happy. And so I'm excited for it from the standpoint of wanting to protect the sound of country music. I, I love this record. Refrigerator Door, that's another good song on his EP. Because they're just pictures hanging side by side Memories from another time. It is literally just a song about describing the refrigerator door and the recipes and the photos that are on it and how they represent his life. It's pure imagery. It's not even much of a story, but there are so few songs that are using real imagery that I love that this just uses actual tangible things that you can touch and look at and it describes... Feeling of life that's what great songwriting does, so I'm a big fan of Luke Combs' new EP, it's gonna be a monster. Other little things that are happening Cody Jinx is putting out a new EP later this year, they've announced that, and I'm excited for it. The only thing I'm not excited about is that that means a few songs off his last EP aren't gonna get released as singles. I know that uh, somewhere between I Love You and I'm Leaving kind of was a hit in Texas, but it never really took off in a mainstream way, And, and Cody is. So close to being one of these guys like Cody Johnson that can cross over out of the Texas scene because his music is so amazing. And, and hey, he's got like the freaking rock as his biggest fan. The Rock's always uh, tweeting and Instagramming about Cody Jinx, kind of like how Jason Momoa is always tweeting and, and Instagramming about Coulter Wall. So now we just need to find someone to get on on Childers. We gotta get like John Cena to be a Tyler Childers fan, and then all of our kind of indie country heroes will have their, will have their pro wrestler guy rooting for them. But I am a little sad that Cody Jinks isn't gonna get to put any more music out from, uh, what was that album called? Is it called Must Be the Whiskey? But I would have loved for Colorado to maybe be a single. I would have loved. Uh, I love the song Headcase, but I get that that's not really a single. But yeah, we're getting new Cody Jinx music later this year, and that's freaking amazing. And yeah, that's pretty much what was going on in country music this week. I am getting ready to go to the beach. I'm leaving in literally about an hour, so I'm going to have to edit this and get this scheduled pretty quickly, but I'm going to be a little bit off the grid. I'm just taking a a week. This is kind of my 30th birthday present to myself. I wanted to get a big crew to go down to Puerto Rico or something, but it was too expensive, so we're just taking a trip down to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Going to have about 10 friends down there. We'll just have a beach house, and I'm excited to to relax a little bit, but then we're going to hit the ground running, guys. We're going to start outfitting a podcast studio. I want to start trying to get some guests. I want to start recording some of these bonus episodes for patrons, and, I, and, I, and I'm doing this Patreon thing because the copyright... Stuff on my channel has become really insane lately. Like my Luke Cl- Luke Combs video, how Luke Combs took over country music, it got claimed by Warner Chapel. And they were saying, you know, you can't use our content. And I disputed their claim and said, I can use this content. And, and what happens when you get claimed is they suddenly get all the money from your video. Or they get some of the money. Then you're sharing in it. So I worked really hard on that Luke Combs video. I spent about two weeks scripting it. And... I spent probably twenty hours editing, or something like that, recording and editing. It's not a it's not a fast process, and I was really proud of it. And I used all clips under five seconds long, and yeah, I think I made something really smart and very transformative. That is a key word here, but. Yeah, Warner Chapel. So they claimed the video. So now they're getting the rev- some, most of the revenue from that video. And I said, well, that's unfair. This is protected under fair use. I am not affecting your business. In fact, you could argue that I am improving your business. I am using a minimal amount, an inconsequential amount, and I am using it in a transformative manner, which is what fair use protects. If you're adding criticism or commentary and transforming the nature of the art, then you are able to use it. But... YouTube system is just sort of messed up right now because the the publishers get to be the judge and the jury. When I dispute that claim, it just goes back to Warner Chappell who says they own the publishing rights of that song and they get to decide if I changed their mind. And guess what? They always decide. I didn't change their mind. So now I would have to appeal the video. But if you appeal a video, then you open up the claimant to be able to actually demand you take down your video And if you don't do it, you can get a copy strike. If you get three of those, your channel gets shut down. So there's all of this, all this power in the hands of the copyright holders and they make it really scary and really threatening for you. But I'm going to appeal that claim. Um, I think they don't have a leg to stand on. And yeah, I, I don't know if you have to like threaten legal action, but I think I'm being unfairly targeted by some of these publishing companies and I would love to work something out with them and have a kind of standing agreement that my channel is in good favor, but Ugh, it's just stressful. It's just stressful, but I think I want to do that, and I think uh, we'll we'll figure it out and we'll make it work. But that's why I'm starting the Patreon is because I want to have you know some protection from my channel sort of getting attacked. I think it's really ridiculous and it's really backwards minded, and they they just don't get the internet. So that's pretty frustrating to me. But guys, I um, I'm I'm excited about this podcast, and and I want to say this Flatland Cavalry who started off the the episode that's the kind of intro and outro music i did get in touch with them and they say it's cool with me to use this song it's called no shade of green it's by flatland cavalry one of my very favorite bands out of texas and i'm uh i don't know it just makes me feel so freaking happy and so i hope you're leaving this podcast also feeling happy and let's talk more country music next week guys all right bye Green could describe Feetie trapped inside her eyes Red lipstick from the blood Of all them boys who failed and tried Held up for all to see